Every one of us in this building here this morning, we are either conformers or we are transformers. And we will either be conformed to this world, and Paul tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we are either conformers or we are transformers. We either conform to the culture around us or we transform our culture for the glory of God. And let me tell you something about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not conformers. Even though they were taken away from Jerusalem, even though they were taken away from Judah, which, by the way, they were from the tribe of Judah, which is the tribe of praise, and even though they were taken away from their God-fearing, God-reverencing homes and thrust into the culture of Babylon, they did not allow Babylon to conform them to the ways and the customs and the manners of Babylon. But here's what God would use these young men to do. He would use these young men to transform Babylon for the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? He would use them to be light in darkness. And so notice what happens now in verse 9. It says, but Daniel resolved, and along with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. So notice, he's drawn the line, and he says, nope, not going to eat food that's been sacrificed to idols. And not only that, but there are certain foods that God has commanded us that we cannot eat because if we eat them, it will make us unclean before God. And so we're not going to do that. But I want you to notice how they handled this situation. The first thing that they did is they gave themselves wholly to the Lord. And the second thing that they did is they were gracious to those who were in authority. They didn't stage some kind of a protest. They didn't threaten anybody. They didn't burn down buildings. But they treated those in authority graciously. And notice what Daniel said. He asked for permission not to defile himself this way. And then verse 9 says, now God, and I love this. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Oh, don't you love the favor of God? The favor of God. There's a passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 7 that says this. It says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man or when a woman's ways please the Lord, God makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. So even in Babylon, even in the world, surrounded by the culture of the world, surrounded by those who are anti-everything that we stand for, God can give us favor and compassion even in those kinds of environments. And then notice what it says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 12. Because the servant's a little bit concerned. He said, now listen, he said, if I don't feed you guys this food and y'all start looking all skinny and wimpy and weak, he said, then the king is going to take that out on me. And so here's what Daniel said to him. He said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. 
You want to know what a Daniel fast is? This is a Daniel fast. Ten days of nothing but water and vegetables. And then he said this. He said, then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in according or in accordance with what you see. And so the servant agreed and treated them that way for ten days. Now I love this. That at the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better, that is better nourished, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal fruit food. And I don't have the scripture up here on the screen, but here's what it said. That after this, the official went back and all the other young men that were on the royal food, he took them off the royal food and put them on the Daniel fast of nothing but water and vegetables. How do you think they felt at that moment when they found out they're going to lose that big old spread and all they're going to get now is water and vegetables? That's what he does. But notice, as we go into the next passage of Scripture there, verse 19, or, or I'm sorry, verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. And then it says this, it says in verse 18, at, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and notice what it says, he found None equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And then verse 20 says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. They stood out for God. They said, and it wasn't their handsomeness, it wasn't their education, it wasn't all of that that caused them to stand out, but what caused them to stand out was their life of purity and their life of righteousness and being light in a dark world because they said, we are not going to defile ourselves by doing something that is contrary to what God's Word says. And if you want to know how God wants us to stand in this day and age in which you and I live right now, he wants us to stand out for his glory. And the way that we can stand out for his glory is to be light in a dark word, world. It is to, 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 to have the character of Christ so developed on the inside of us that we reflect the character of Christ to this world. That, that we put forth an image of righteousness and purity and holiness. And then when that is tested, that we say, no, I'm not going to give in to the ways of this world. No, I'm not going to give in to the temptations of this world but what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to stay faithful to God and I'm going to continue to stay faithful to the word of God and when you stand out for God like that God will stand up for you somebody say amen amen but not only does he want us to stand out he wants us to stand firm Daniel chapter 3 <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar constructs an image 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he says when the music begins to play, everybody's supposed to bow and worship the image. Notice what it says now in verse 4. It says, then a herald cried aloud. Now, I hope you like scripture because I can't tell this story better than the scriptures already told it. 
And like I said, we don't have to try to make the Word of God come alive. It's already alive. It's active. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can speak to us. But in verse 4 it says, Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down. Now look at this, not just fall down, but you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. That was the decree. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew when the music begins to play, you are supposed to bow to that golden image. And not only bow, you are to worship that image. Well, we know the story. Most of us here this morning, the music began to play. Everybody bowed except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood when everybody else was bowing. Stood when everybody else was bending and worshiping a false god. And of course, some of the servants come to Nebuchadnezzar and said, Well, everybody bowed except those three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so Nebuchadnezzar begins to try to negotiate with them. Look at verse 15. He said, now if you're ready at the time to hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I made, good. But then he says this, but if you do not, notice this, he says, but if you do not worship. Notice he didn't say, but if you do not bow down and worship. What he wants is the allegiance of their hearts. He doesn't want them just bowing as a gesture. He wants the allegiance of their hearts. He said, but if you do not worship, and that's exactly what he tried to get Jesus to do in the wilderness when he put him up on the, temp- the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, when you look out over all these kingdoms, he said, I'll give you all of this. All of this will be yours if you will just what? Bow down and worship me. Don't just bow down. He said, I want your allegiance. Worship me. And so he goes on. He says, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately. And you know the story. Into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And I like this. And who is the God, little g, not big g, because there is no little g God that can deliver you from anything. And he said, who is the little G God who will deliver you from my hands? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We, 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 there's nothing we're going to say about this. We've already made up our mind. We've made our decision. And then in verse 17, they said, well, we know what the threat is. And if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and then notice what they said and he will deliver us but now I want you to notice their God is not a little g God their God is a big g God amen the only God none can compare to him none's beside him he has all power in heaven and in earth he's an omnipotent all-powerful omniscient all-knowing omnipresent everywhere present God and nothing is too hard for him Oh, hallelujah. 
And he said, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now, they, now here's what they're thinking. We don't know how he's going to deliver us. He don't, we don't know if he's going to deliver us from your hand through death or if he's going to work some kind of a supernatural miracle. But we know one way or another, he's going to deliver us from your hand, Nebuchadnezzar. And then notice what he says in verse 18. He said, but if not, maybe a little bit of uncertainty there. But if not, in other words, they're still saying, we don't know how all this is going to happen. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you've set up. Man, that infuriated the king. And he looked at the guards and he said, turn that furnace up seven times hotter because that's exactly the way the enemy works. When you decide that you're not going to give in to his demands and his temptation, he's not going to just back off. He's going to turn the furnace up seven times hotter. He's going to try to make it that much more difficult. And he turns the furnace up seven times hotter. He says, bring those boys in here. And they bound their hands and their feet with ropes and threw them into that fiery furnace. But something happened. Because when you get to verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar gets up the next day and was astonished. He rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound? Everybody say bound. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. But notice what he says next. Look! Look, I see four men loose. Somebody say loose. Not bound, but loose. He said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. He may not keep you from going through a fiery trial, but what he will do is he'll make sure you don't go through that fiery trial by yourself for taking a stand for him. He will walk with you every step of that way. Oh, hallelujah. Then in verse 26, it says that Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, I love this right here. Look, let's go to that next passage of Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, he said, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Come on, keep this thing rolling. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men oh I love this right here this is so awesome they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power I'm telling you the fire has no power against children of God the fire has no power against those who are sold out to God, who take a stand for God, who take a stand for righteousness. Said that the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed. Hey, this is a furnace that was hotter than it's ever been. This is a furnace that seven, turned up seven times hotter, but the hair of their head was not singed. Their garments were not affected, and the smell of fire, oh, praise God, was not even on them. You can't even get around somebody smoking a cigarette without smelling like a cigarette and they're in a fiery furnace and they come out and you cannot even smell smoke in their clothes somebody say when God delivers God does it right amen let's go to that next passage then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said blessed 
be the big G God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who did what? Trusted him. Stood firm. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the big G God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap. Go on. Because, now this is Nebuchadnezzar talking now. He said, because there is no other big G God who can deliver like this. How many of you know there is no other God? Little G God can't deliver you, but big G God can deliver you. Let's look at that last passage there because that, this says it all. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where? In the province of Babylon. I'm telling you, right in the middle of Babylon, you can be a conformer, you can be a transformer and not a conformer. And some of you, when you are light in darkness, when you stand out and when you stand firm, God wants you to know I'm going to promote you right there in Babylon. Right there in the middle of the world's culture, right there in the middle of the world's customs, right there in the middle of the world's system, God said, I have put you there for such a time as this and I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to use you right there in Babylon for my glory oh somebody shout hallelujah hey he put Abraham in e- or he put Moses in Egypt right he put Nehemiah in the king's palace of the Medes and Persians He put Esther in the king's palace. He put Joseph right smack dab in the middle of Egypt and promoted him until he became the second in command over all of Egypt. So I'm telling you, he can do it for the people of God. The Bible says we can be in the world but not be of the world. He's called us to be light in darkness. And God wants us to infiltrate the system of this world with the light and with the power of the Holy Ghost. And not be conformed to it but transform it by the glory and power of God. Somebody give him praise in the house. Come on, let's stand out. Let's stand firm for the glory of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Take a stand. Take a stand. He's worth it. Take a stand. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. I'm preaching hard today. I got to have some water. Y'all can sit back down. I'm not done. Hallelujah. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6 now and we'll close this thing out. Daniel chapter 6, he stands true. You stand out, you stand firm, you stand true because listen, what you believe is going to be tested. What you practice is going to be challenged. And that's what happens here in Daniel chapter 6. And I'm just going to skip down to this passage in verse 3. It says that Daniel, now remember, Daniel is still in Babylon. He is still in the White House, I guess you could say, of Babylon. 
And it says that soon Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And I like this right here. And the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom. Tell me God didn't have a plan when he let these boys be taken into captivity. Because this young man that was taken into captivity, and yes, this is years later, but now the king has a plan to put him in charge of all of Babylon. Woo, I'm telling you, God can get his people positioned right here. He needs to position to get his work accomplished. Amen? Then notice what it says. So the presidents and the satraps find, tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom. Why? Because they done got jealous. They done got jealous because there's such favor on the life of Daniel. And let me tell you something. The favor of God will cause other people to get jealous of you. But don't you let their jealousy keep you from walking in that favor. Because notice what it says. They tried to find something wrong with Daniel. I think this is awesome here. They could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption. Now, do you think we've got a politician? Oh, I'm starting to meddle now. But do you think that we have a politician in the United States of America that if we were to put them under such an examination that it could be said we could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. Mm, and you wonder what made him stand out. That's what made him stand out right there. But then as we go on, notice what happens. The men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And so here's what they said. Whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days, king, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. Now keep it right there for just a moment. So here they find nothing wrong with this character. So they said, we're going to have to find something in relation to the law of God that he serves. And they knew that Daniel was a praying man. And so they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to have a law and we're going to have Darius sign the law because Darius is the king now. And we're going to have Darius sign this into as a decree that no man, no woman can pray to any other God other than the God of, of, of Darius. The, the false gods. No, no other God. Now what do you think Daniel's going to do? Because he prays all the time, every day. Matter of fact, as his custom was, he prayed three times a day. And he didn't just pray three times a day, but you know what he would do? He would go up into his room and he would open his windows that faced toward Jerusalem and he would pray three times a day. Now they're telling him, you can't do that. You can't do it. So what does Daniel do? Well, let's look. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Look at it. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom. He didn't wait until now to start praying. He had always been praying and now for him not to pray would be a compromise of his faith. And so he stays true to who he is. And he stays true to what he does and he stays true to the God that he serves 
And he continues to pray. This is not rebellion. This is faithfulness. This is not rebellion. This is loyalty. This is standing true. And notice, it says, as his custom was since the early days. And and then we know what happened. We know that they came and they got him and they threw him into a lion's den. And Darius, listen to me, Darius really liked Daniel. He wanted to promote him. He wanted him to be over all the kingdom. He didn't even know what he had done when he signed this decree into effect until after it was over. He didn't know how it was going to affect Daniel. And so he gets up early the next morning. He takes off to that, 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 that lion's den and he screams into the lion's den. He says, Daniel, are you okay down there? Is the God that you serve continually, has he delivered you from the mouth of the lion? And Daniel answers back and says, yes, the God that I continually serve. He has delivered me from the mouth of the lion. And I want you to back those scriptures up because you got ahead of me there just a little bit. And then it go, go, you can go ahead and go to the next one now. I'm sorry. You didn't get ahead of me. He said this. Here's what, here's what Darius said as a result of that. He said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar has already testified how great God is. Now Darius, the king of Babylon, he testifies how great God is. And notice how it ends here. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. Now look at this. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. Let me tell you something. I love this nation that we live in with all of my heart. I do. I'm with Lee Greenwood. I'm proud to be an American. I'm not proud of everything American. No, I'm not. I'm not proud that last night I was reading the news and the state of Alabama ranks number three in this nation as far as murders per capita uh, according to the population of this state. No, I'm not proud of that. That right here in the southeast in the Bible Belt that it wasn't New York in the top three. It wasn't California in the top three. It wasn't Chicago, Illinois in the top three. It was three southern states that have the largest just a murder rate of anywhere else in the United States right here where the gospel gets preached unlike anywhere else I'm telling you we are failing somewhere we are failing somewhere no I'm not proud of the fact that America is the largest producer and supplier of pornography in all the world no I am not proud that America is the leader when it comes to babies that are being aborted on a daily basis no I'm not proud of those kinds of things and does America need God to move Does America need a revival? Yes, she does. Yes, she does. And he said, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Hey, I do. I love this nation. I pray for this nation. I want to see this nation turned around. I don't want to see this nation fall the way that other nations have fallen. But you listen to me. What happens in the United States of America, whether it rises or whether it falls, has nothing to do with the kingdom of Almighty God. I've seen kingdoms come. The the, the kingdom of Egypt came and it went. The kingdom of, of Persia came and went. The kingdom of Babylon came and went. The kingdom of Rome has come and gone. The Soviet Union rose and it fell. But can I tell you, there is still one kingdom that remains and it is the kingdom of Almighty God.
God. And if we're going to stand for any kingdom, we need to stand for God's kingdom. If we're going to stand for any way, we need to stand for God's way. If we're going to stand for any word, we need to stand for the word of God. God, that we could get more passionate about souls that are dying and going to hell. That we could get more passionate about revival coming to our nation than we are about whether or not somebody stands at a ball game. Lord, help us send revival. Heal our hearts and heal our land. Well, thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you as our guest here at Summerton Church of God. The Lord has given us a vision to transform our community, and we're going to do that by eliminating the darkness through being light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, and so we're going to be who Jesus says we are. We worship together every Sunday at 1045, and we would love to have you and your family as our guests.